Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second special episode of What's New in Cloud FinOps from reInvent uh, with myself, Stephen Old, and my friend and colleague. Right, Frank, we're back again, and we've got a load more news, and I'm beginning to worry that we might have to do a third episode, but we're trying to wrap everything into this one. We shall see. I believe it's you to kick us off, my friend. Yes, I'm going to kick you. Uh, so the idea, I'm not going to kick you, sorry. I'm going to kick <laughs> it off. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> I'm 200 miles away from you currently. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what virtuality can do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, enhance uh, Amazon F3 integration for Amazon FXS for Lustre. And what is that is, it's really, it's a synchronization. So S3 is really cool. It's really integrated with almost everything that AWS does, and you can save everything in S3. It's easy, it's well done. They've got API and lots of things. At the same time now, you can you might be using Lustre. So Lustre is a special file system, which is made for high-performance computing. It's made for big, complex things. So it's not really the easy thing you set up on your normal computers. And the idea of having something that integrates with having Lustre integrating with S3 and being able to synchronize is really useful because that simplifies enormously the loading of data into Lustre. You just drop stuff on S3 and hope it would be then uh, moved to Lustre, which I find extremely useful. The other part is it is bidirectional. So if you want to keep after an experiment or an HPC, work, you want to keep a backup of all your information, it will work also the other side. Probably going to, very, going to be asynchronous, but really, really, uh, really, really good idea there. And uh, last but not least, it works also with multiple S3 buckets. So you can okay. really start having multiple sources of data provided by different companies, for example, all of them saving in S3, that S3 is going to us, and then you can work on it. And then it's saved back and presented back to those uh, data providers. So I, I think that's really cool. I think you're right. Um, keeping in the storage world, there's a lot that is a about storage, storage today. Oh, it's, 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 you know, call it storage Saturday, except we're recording on a Friday. Um, Amazon S3 Glacier is the best place to archive your data, it introduces us to saying. Introducing the S3 Glacier Instant Retrieving Storage class. So for those who have a good memory, you will remember that um, Glacier initially came out and was all about deep archive. It took 12 hours to get to any of the data. I think it used to be slower than that, but anyway. Um, and you could only... It says access it once or twice a year, but let's face it, that means twice a year. Um, then they released flexible retrieval uh, for long-term backups and archives with retrieval option from one to 12, uh, well, one minute to 12 hours. Um, but, you know, you'd pay differently. And now here we have instant retrieval, uh, which is retrieval within milliseconds. Now to give you an idea of cost, um, the instant retrieval is... 0.4 cents per hour. The flexible retrieval is 0.36 cents per hour. And the deep archive is 0.099. So the, this is four times more expensive than, um, well, sorry, just over four times more expensive than, um, than deep archive. Um, but it's only slightly more expensive than flexible retrieval. But you do have this this instant. Now, what this doesn't really talk about is the um, 
the fact that there are charges for um, bringing the data out and they still exist. Uh, but it is worth noting that you still have a 128 kilobyte minimum uh, size. And if you use something smaller than that, you still have to pay for 128 kilobytes. And you have a 90 day minimum um, storage in there for um, for flexible and instant. And uh, if you take it out before the 90 days, you basically pay a pro rata charge at the moment of deleting or taking out um, for the following, you know, to basically make it up to 90 days. But it's 180 days with um, with Deep Archive. So these two are still slightly better in terms of not needing to keep on there for uh, as long. Um, but there's when you get into this archive stuff, and yeah, absolutely, you've got the intelligent tiering stuff that makes this a lot easier. But it is well worth um, knowing or you know, making sure you go and check the deeper T's and C's. Um, because there are a lot of there are lots of charges going on when you get into this stuff. Where the where the headline charge is so small, that generally means there are going to be charges elsewhere. I'm not saying hidden charges. I'm not saying they're trying to do you out of money, but it is not just a simple um, you know one price. They've got to charge based on different things, and that's why they're limiting how often you go in and that kind of stuff. It's all you know. If you think about the business model, it makes sense. So love this. Great for people who need to be able to get stuff out instantly, uh, but very rarely, which is really what this is about. Um, and I mean, instant's interesting. If one minute wasn't good enough for you, <laughs> um, you know, it takes me longer to find my keys. So uh, yeah, it's now instant. Again, interesting one. Be very interested to know what the exact use case was uh, where, you know, a minute's no longer acceptable. But there we go. So that's my news. Okay, and I'm going to continue a little on this one first. Is uh, So if you are confused, like I am, about the now all the different storage classes from Amazon S3, which I can, there is standard intelligent tiering, standard IA, one zone IA, Glacier Instant Retrieval, Glacier Flexible Retrieval, Glacier Deep Archive, and Outpost, that's just S3. I recommend you to search on your favorite search engine S3 storage classes, and there is it is so complex that they effectively have a full paragraph explaining what each thing does and an infographic too, <laughs> just because we are not alone. Nice. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, enjoy that. Uh, next one for me, still on storage. I'm going to probably put two things together. Uh, it is about EBS. So EBS is that disk that you attach to your virtual machines. And the idea is that, it is very easy to do an EBS snapshot, and it seems that uh, it's also very easy to delete EBS snapshots. And usually people will try to put that in an automated way, but you never know when your backup is needed. And so it seemed that people were overzealous deleting snapshots and probably automated tooling. So Amazon or AWS introduced the recycle bin for EBS snapshot, where everything you delete is going to be kept for a certain amount of time trying to find what is the what is the standard amount of time the default one but anyway you have now some uh, a recycle bin like on your computer for your ebs snapshots so you can avoid explaining to your boss that no data is gone and we cannot go back in time the other one which goes with it is the snapshots archive so you can now, in the past, when you would save your EBS snapshot, they would be saved on S3. It would be also a normal price. Everything would be standard. Now all of you, uh, you can use this 
this new archive that costs less and it's just there to save snapshots. So it seemed that AWS did lots of work on EBS and the backend storage that manages EBS and S3, resulting uh, now in lots of innovations in that area. So S3, we said lots of new stuff on Glacier, that's what Steve's talked about. EBS, you now can do your snapshot recycle bin and your snapshot archive. So yes. So the recycling bin is one day to one year. Uh, and in setting it up, you choose. So there doesn't seem to be a default. You actually create a rule um, mm -hmm. that does it. Now, I'm just going to read out a particular paragraph under pricing. Things to know, and then it has pricing. Resources that are in the recycle bin are charged the usual price. But be aware that creating rules with long retention periods could increase your AWS bill. On a related note, be sure that keeping deleted snapshots around does not violate your organization's data retention policy. There is no charge for deleting or recovering a resource. Um, so, I mean, I find this interesting, right? Because one of the reasons you delete snapshots is to reduce cost. Yeah. But am I reading that correct? That actually, if you keep them in your recycling bin, you still basically got to pay for them. Yes. So, yes, yeah, yes. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's like really recycling that you have an automated empty empty of your recycle bin. Yeah, so it's, it's another stage, isn't it? You move them out of you know exactly. where they normally live, put them in the in the recycling bin for two weeks before you come and get you know get exactly. that cleared out. I think yeah. it's mostly because the, the initial deletion is going to be done by an automated system. Mm. And the second, so you, so the second deletion is effectively something you've selected. So you, you give yourself, uh, if, this, if you've put the system too zealous, your whoever manages cloud uh, cost of us to reduce, 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 is very nice until you effectively lose the data. So that that's not going to reduce your cost immediately, no. but at least it's going to give you. It's I think it's some a, protection by yeah, doing it's a politically do. correct uh, way to say yes, I've deleted the snapshot, but yes, yeah. I'm keeping it a little more. Cool, um, right? Now we've got a wave of these kind of ones, um, and they're not even in perfect order. But introducing Amazon MSK serverless in public preview. Uh, I'm certainly panicking that I've gone on to the wrong one. I have not. I am in order. Um, I think people have heard me talk about managed um, Kafka service before. Um, to Apache Kafka, I'm quite a big fan of it. Um, my previous role, we used quite a lot of Kafka. And, you know, a lot of people kind of talk about going on to Kinesis. If you're using Kafka and the kind of feature-rich uh, levels that are in it, it's been around for quite a while, and you want to stick to Kafka, that's why they created MSK, because people weren't just leaving it because it's a very well-thought-of service. And now you can have it without having to manage the infrastructure and the capacity, and you're paying on a on-demand pay-for-the-data-you-stream-retain service. So it's a throughput-based pricing, very like Kinesis now. So it's bringing it on that even piece. It's another one where it's stepping away from you having to manage it. I also think we announced last month or the month before that MSK is running on, is Graviton supported now. Yes. And that a lot of these things that are moving this direction, you, we're seeing a lot of things link. So some of the stuff that we're going to talk about with um, EBS um, or with some other services, 
come from the tiering of data, intelligent tiering that was created for EBS. Um, this is one of those where Graviton and the way they're managing services on Graviton is allowing them to move towards um, putting more things serverless. So yeah, this is one of them, and that is MSK, which is the uh, managed service for Kafka. Wow, and moving and keeping it into uh, the serverless world is we have introducing Amazon EMR serverless in preview. And the idea is that so EMR is is really is a big big data thing. Uh, it allows you to run petabyte scale data analytics. Uh, leverage underneath you have Spark, you have Apache Hive, you have Presto. And before you needed to set up your cluster and size it. And so now it becomes serverless. So you can just throw things at it. And behind the scene, AWS will just create those clusters, grow them up and down so that you get the best price. And that is really, really cool. It, it also, all those things becoming serverless are really, really interesting. It also Really, I think uh, push everyone towards uh, well, staying in the cloud you are. I think those are also just on the side things that are going to make it harder to move between, between the big cloud vendors. The more you go serverless with one thing, the more your APIs are going to be um, very specific. But yeah, I, I find all move towards serverless really positive in the end because the savings and the simplicity of management is incredible. Absolutely. I'm going to reorder things. I'm going to stick on the new serverless services. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go on to Amazon Redshift serverless. Um, now, this is interesting because with, with Redshift, we already had Spectrum, which allowed you to um, start querying stuff with your, um, with your Redshift that wasn't just in the data warehouse that was built with it, you know, in the storage that you had attached. Um, it could do, use um, stuff on, yeah, it could look in S3 and, and similar. Um, so when they released this, when I started thinking about it, I was a bit like, well, isn't this just Athena if if it's doing what it was doing? But what's actually really interesting, A, this is obviously a very powerful engine, but B, you can start querying data in other data stores such mm -hmm. as Aurora and RDS mm -hmm. and S3, as we already knew. Um, really great for hard to predict workloads. It can go all over the place because having... Redshift can get expensive. It's brilliant, right? But it can get expensive. And if you're having to keep the big machines ready for unpredictable loads, that is that is costly. Um, so this will help people handle spikier usage of their um, data analytics platform. And it's basically, in my opinion, getting closer to... Well, in fact, I was, I'm going to say this and at mm -hmm. risk. BigQuery, which I've always loved because it decoupled data and compute, this has truly done that now, um, but I love the fact that it's it's going across other services. Um, but it, it's still still SQL based, right? So mm -hmm. it is only on the services that are um, you know that you can run SQL against um, at this stage. Because wouldn't it be incredible if you could have a a um, a tool that would be able to um interrogate all of your data including your NoSQL stuff but that in itself is mad so anyway yeah this is out uh, well sorry this is out in preview public preview um mm -hmm. and yeah really quite excited by it um and that was announced on the 30th perfect 
So the next one for me is one I'm, as usual, I am absolutely not comfortable with, but it's going to be quite interesting. It's announcing SageMaker, Amazon SageMaker Ground Truth Plus. Mm. And so, and they start quite nicely and say, oh yeah, labeling data when you do machine learning and training of machine learning is to get the data and label it. And they say, wow, that's much more complex than this. And I have to admit, I thought that was it. Uh, so it need, no, you need to have a, a custom labeling workflow. You need a special user interface because you need to be able to identify where to tag and what to tag. And then you need to have people which are capable of effectively tagging. Uh, tagging being, for example, if on a picture you want to say, hey, this is a car, this is a person, this is a traffic light, all those kind of things are still done most of the time manually. And so in this case, AWS the service offers uh, the, the workflow, offers the interface and the people and the skilled workers that are capable of using it to help build data sets for machine learning much faster and without you having to recruit and build things. Uh, so it, it brings machine learning uh, a step towards the, how can I say that? Simple to be more simple less complicated probably but it's it's machine learning by people <laughs> right and I, I know i know the tools there but and they're just well just i'm saying just there they're there to uh speed up and and to have use that expertise um which is a very expensive thing to get but it is interesting to see people being brought in um yes. really isn't it um Yes. Can't see the uh, price. <laughs> no, no, not obvious. Um, because those people are very expensive. And you know, anyway. Announcing preview of Amazon EC2 TRN1. And I don't know if this is one of those things that I should know that it's like called a tron or a turn. Um, but TRN1 <laughs> instances, um, which are the oh maybe it's train because it's training based training based. EC2, so maybe it's train one. Maybe that's what I meant to say. Um, and is the second machine learning chip built by AWS that's optimized for high performance deep learning training. Um, so they are uh, meant to deliver better price performance for training deep learning models in the cloud uh, for things like natural language processing, object detection, image recognition, recommendation engines, intelligent search. So basically the things that are really quite cool and that improving them makes a big difference if you're using them. Um, they support up to 16 Trainium accelerators, whatever those magic things are, with up to 800 gigabits per second of EFA networking throughput. I mean, there's a lot of stats going on here, which is impressive because it's quite a short little article. Um, and they're deployed in EC2 ultra clusters um, that can scale to... Yes. tens of thousands um these clusters are 2.5 times larger than the previous generation of ec2 ultra clusters and as powerful as a supercomputer to rapidly train the complex deep learning models i would like our science mad scientist friends to test that oh yes we yes yeah we know some scientists oh yes so i'm gonna go into i think uh, this is the last one, you know, for I've got me. one more, and then there's yeah. one more from Steve. So, in preview, you have Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab, it's a free service to learn and experiment with machine learning. 
So there's really, really, really a push towards machine learning. And now there are, there are AWS is providing with a free tool to help people like me who just want to start not having to learn Python as the first step forward. Pretty sure you need to use Python at any point, but uh, <clears throat> that's really, really cool. There is this class of customers that are just beginners and it's really good not to have to go deep dive into some complex things to start with. They are building those layers to serve the, hey, I have an idea, I have a business, I want to open a business, I have an idea. You can try it out much, you know, in possibly you can try it out your ideas and test it even without having to hire a specialist, which I find really positive for the entrepreneurs which are the outside and not techies. Mm. Right, our last current piece of news, um, and depending what else comes out in the last in the last day of reInvent, maybe the last piece of news. Um, but today we're announcing that new Dynamo DB table class, uh, which saves up to sixty percent in your Dynamo DB costs. So um, I have, uh, I think people that know my Twitter tag, Old Dog New Text. I've got a, uh, a Slack channel for some of my friends, and one of them is an SA at AWS, and he really thought this was cool um, and called it out. And I was like, "That's on my podcast," um, <laughs> uh, always going to be with Frank. So today we're announcing basically standard infrequent access. So standard IA, a new table class for Dynamobi DB that reduces storage costs by 60% compared to the existing DynamoDB standard tables. And that delivers the same performance, durability, and scaling. Um, it's backed by intelligent tiering. Um, or at least I believe it is, or it's going to be. Say, I thought I'd read that it said that. Uh, get used evaluating the best data yes um so you can get it to review what table should be what um and you can change your class from existing to standard ia um for 30 days with no impact to performance so yeah that's really cool decent cost saving on the storage side of dynamo db um and i think if you coupled that up with the uh, committed throughput you could be getting some really quite interesting savings on the DynamoDB versus on-demand. Yes, I still need to test, stress test DynamoDB. Yeah, I mean, we, a very, very clever chap called Steve, not me. Uh, we used to have five Steves at my old company, and uh, he was one of the many very clever Steves. Uh, again, not me. Um, he built a, uh, a plugin that we had on Chrome, which allowed us to change accounts really easily on AWS, basically. And it, it called out to DynamoDB um, to, for us to go which accounts and where to, it was, it was a piece of genius. And that was, I kind of had a look around his DynamoDB setup that, and it was really neat. And for that kind of thing, it's beautiful, right? Um, and we weren't using it in enough, you know, real stress to do it, but it was, it was lightning fast. and It was a great service. Um, that's the only time I've really seen it used in, anger that i've got to have a look behind the scenes i've known loads of people using it but never got to have a good look behind the scenes of it. and that was that's was brilliant that that's cool perfect. well that's our last piece of news thank you so much everyone we will attempt to do a december episode because we've been very aws focused because of reinvent uh, we'll try to do a wider episode of all the other top news if there's any repetition there 
apologies we might just go into some of these things in a bit more depth if we've had more time to think about them plus the stuff coming out from azure and google um thank you ever so much everyone just in case we don't get another one done before christmas uh, everyone have a great holiday period whether you're celebrating or just enjoying some time off uh, or enjoying the summer in you know australia wherever it might be have a great time um, me and Frank are going to try to do as little as possible, except for the fact that we have uh, children, although mine has no idea what's going on, but he loves the Christmas lights. At oh, yeah. well, we yeah. send the, the, I discovered that in the UK, you can send an, an, uh, a letter to Santa and they will reply back to you. Absolutely. Of course, that's Santa absolutely. replies back. I think that's absolutely wonderful. You can get a, you can get a video made um, of uh, basically a custom made video of Santa responding to the letter as well. A friend of mine did that. It was something like £20, but the kid found it was amazing. And I've just heard about this whole thing about Elf on the Shelf. That's my new bit. Um, but listeners, that's not what you're here for. Um, but there will be, um, I think, some mischievous pictures of the cat with the elf, if possible, um, which will uh, you know, cheer some people up because I still haven't made the cat flap app, uh, as, <laughs> as promised. But thanks very much, Frank. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you.